And I know that's said a lot these days, but it is so important to cultivate relationships with other people that share your views of what you want to do and invite them into your lives, invite them into your practice and find out all you can from people that are on the same type of path that you might be on. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about finding your unexpected path to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm an artist, a marketer, and a storyteller. And on today's show, I am so excited to welcome the founders of Three Fish Studios. That's Eric Rewitzer and Annie Galvin. They're printmakers, painters, husband and wife, and they run a studio and a shop in the Outer Sunset neighborhood of San Francisco. I am really excited to bring you today's episode. Annie and Eric are amazing people. They care deeply about community in really incredible ways. They transformed their careers and made a shift towards the arts and to becoming artists in the middle of their careers. And they have really an incredible story to share, both of their individual paths and how their paths came together to pursue a life that is fulfilling, full of art, creativity, community. And we talk all about the challenges of making a shift like that, the realities of it, the financial ones, the scary aspects of it. We talk about what it's like to work together as a husband and wife team. And I'm just really excited for you all to hear the conversation. Before we get started, I really want to thank our sponsor, Soothe. Soothe is an on-demand massage company, so you can get massage anytime you want, any place you want, at home, in the office, on the road, if you're at a hotel. And if you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS, you'll get $20 off your first booking with Soothe. I've done it. It's awesome. And uh, I hope you guys will check it out. Thanks so much to Soothe. And if you or you know someone who might want to be a sponsor of Making Ways, sponsors really make it possible for this show to remain independent and keep pumping out episodes that you all can enjoy. So sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation with Annie and Eric of Three Fish Studios. Annie and Eric from Three Fish Studios, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. So excited to have you here. I thought we would start off and just give listeners a little bit of a preview of what Three Fish Studios is all about. You're in the Outer Sunset. You're a store and a place for making things as well. And I'd love to hear about it in your own words. All right. Well, we we started with a studio in Dogpatch 12 years ago. And that was a place where we made our work and we did open studios. Um, But then when we got the opportunity to move to the Outer Sunset, uh, it's a storefront. So suddenly people were able to stumble on us. And so it's kind of morphed into a studio and gallery, but also a retail space. And we're there and open every day. Okay. So so you moved in to make stuff, but it was a storefront. So you said, let's start selling and and merchandising yeah it's kind of like having open studios every day (laughs) people just walk by and they're like oh what's this place so we want to welcome them in and make them a coffee and 
they see us actually working. And right. um, yeah, so it's kind of this wonderful little hub of activity. Yeah. And you were just in Paris for yes. a vacation, a work abroad. A, a 62 days. 62 days in Paris. But who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds it, it sounds like a, the name of a book or a movie or something. I don't know. That's right. 62 days. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. And was that one of your first you know, times in, in many, many years of taking that long away from San Francisco? Have never been off that long since I was a teenager. Wow. Yeah. And were you, you guys were on vacation, but you were also exploring things creatively and, and just kind of giving yourselves the headspace to step yeah. back from the daily practice? Yeah. We, we wanted to like take a, a real good chunk of time I'm from Ireland, so we go back there every year anyway. Yeah. Um, but we just wanted to kind of feel like we lived um, in Paris for a while. And uh, I think we discovered that um, part of being a working artist is just having the time to fill your head with inspiration, even if you're not actually making something every day. But I right. did a lot of painting over in Paris, actually. Okay. I set up shop on the kitchen table. Wow. And Eric, what about you? I mean, you you do a lot of uh, relief carved uh, uh, blocks for printing and, and things like that. And you do a lot of drawing as well. Yeah. Did I, you... I had great aspirations for doing all those things. Yeah. Uh, what I found myself doing more of is just observing. And I made a very careful record of everything that we did every day in my journal. And I found that to be a real wonderful exercise. Wow. So just kind of soaking in inspiration and, and letting up any kind of, you know, force you might put on yourself to create from it. Yeah. One of the, the constructs of our whole trip there was to not have too much of a structure on it. Yeah. So we took the effort to find an apartment where we'd feel comfortable in a part of town that we wanted to explore more of. And then we just kind of let, the days expose themselves. Right. And we just had an amazing discovery of the city, of the people, of the little nooks and crannies. And we just never really knew what was going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's just something so magical about that. Yeah. So now that you've been back for a little bit, do you have any perspective on how your time abroad kind of loosened you up, refreshed you, changed your perspective on the daily work that you do at Three Fish Studios? Well, one of the things it um, made us realize is we, well, first of all, we have an amazing staff. We've Orly and Sean who ran the shop for the entire summer and they're, they've been just amazing. Right. Um, but it's nice to kind of have that space looking back on it, just the inspiration that came from it and, um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I will say this. It was really hard to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, there was just something about being in a environment that was new every day, uh, where you had the luxury of time and just freedom to explore. And we were in one of the most beautiful parts of the world. We were in Paris for a month. We were in Provence for about two weeks. Wow. 
and just getting into the rhythm of that type of life, like away from the city in a cultivated culture of, you know, that pays attention to uh, landscape and food and interactions with people. Then just the whole pace of life there was intoxicating for me. Wow. And coming back to San Francisco, it was like, okay, we're back in the city. And for me, that was a, it's been a pretty hard adjustment just to kind of get back into the whole rhythm of, you know, we left everything, just all guns firing. Right. We really just, just relaxed and fell into this wonderful sublime routine. And then (laughs) here we come back. Okay. Guns got to start blazing again. It's just been taking me a bit to ramp back up to it. Right. I guess that's a very, very nice problem to have. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was, uh, it was an amazing experience. Wow. Is there something about that European culture that people talk about where life, you know, sometimes they talk about life being ahead of, of work. Does some of that, is that surrounding you and, and something that you come back to and see in a little more stark contrast here in the States and in San Francisco, which is such a hustling city. I mean, you go out for lunch and they don't automatically bring your check when you, (laughs) you can sit there for two hours and just chat and finish your wine. And people routinely take two hour lunches, which I think is very civilized. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All for that. Yeah. And everybody drops their hammers at five o'clock. It's, uh, yeah, the, the pace is very, very different there. Yeah. And so now that you're back in the, in the, the grind, though it's a good grind. It is. Yeah. Um, what what has kind of changed about about your practice? Is it just kind of the mindset of getting back into the routines, or do you see those routines evolving, both like creatively and from a business perspective? Maybe it's hard to say because you're still kind of uh, <laughs> still fresh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, what it taught me is the importance for my own art practice to spend time outside. I, I think when you're running a business and you're also uh, creative in terms of building a new body of work consistently throughout the course of your art practice, uh, it's really easy to find yourself in the routine of doing that right? and stopping that routine so abruptly and then allowing the world to inform you what really does inspire you. For me, that's always been nature and being out in the sunshine and swimming in the rivers and in the ocean and taking long walks was just transformative for me. And I think what I'm bringing back from this whole experience is just how much more I need to do that here. Yeah. And we're in California. So yeah, it makes it very simple. Yeah. It's a very easy uh, checkbox to hit. Yeah, it's so beautiful mm-hmm. here. So Eric, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background, you know, reading interviews and 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 seeing uh, conversations that you've had in the past. You've talked about being a really creative, art-loving kid and you knew from an early age that you that you really wanted to pursue that kind of creative art life. Mm-hmm. And I know that you also then went into technology and you worked as a programmer and, and things like that. And you had a, you know, a successful career there. I'd love to hear about at what point in your kind of early life, college, post-college, you, you know, figured out that you wanted to, to do some, you know, tech work and, 
you know, not, not do the artist's life right from the get go. And also where the art was for you over those years, uh, maybe a little bit more on the side. Wow. That's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you may or may not know, I grew up in Western Michigan. I, I grew up on the shores of Lake Michigan. So there was always an attachment to the natural beauty of the great lakes and the dunes and the woods, which people who have been out to that part of the world know what I'm talking about. People that don't think Michigan's a bunch of cornfields. Well, <laughs> it's not, it was a like the perfect John Hughes childhood of, you know, I had a paper route, uh, went to a school with like 70 people in my high school class. Wow. Uh, I, at a very early age, I loved to draw. Mm. There was this one book I remember taking out in the third grade, by an artist who's still around. His name is Ed Emberley. Mm. And he wrote this whole book of doing simple shapes uh, to draw a world. And I just remember spending hours during my free time, just Mm -hmm. drawing all of these shapes and making these drawings and these paintings. And uh, my mother was very creative as well. She was a painter, watercolor painter. And I think I, the youngest of five kids. So Mm. You got to stand out somehow. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, learning how to draw and finding the appreciation for that kind of was good for me to get attention uh, in all of the other (laughs) chaos that was going on. (laughs) Chaos of this crazy family I was in. But it was something that I loved and it's something that I was good at. And uh, when I got out of high school, I went to art school to pursue that. Mm -hmm. And it just was discovery. I mean, I had to take all the other classes as well in English and science and all that, but I always went back to the art classes and I really loved the whole discovery process of different techniques and different mediums. And I, I don't know, I, I guess it was a conceit to think that I could make a living as an artist. I never really thought about it for me. It was just, uh, a process of learning mm. back then. And, and you were learning drawing and illustration and painting. Was it more fine art? Or? Yeah, it was like a, a standard a foundation curriculum of learning how to draw, then learning how to paint, and yeah. then experimenting with like things like glass, printmaking, fiber, design. Yeah. Like a very, very wholesome foundation, Bauhaus type of curriculum. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. I I think what got to a point for me was the expense of school versus my desire to want to create. And Mm. uh, that really inspired me to uh, take some chances with where I could go in my life instead of uh, taking out more loans to go for more school. I thought, well, maybe I should go out and see some other parts of the world. Yeah. So did you leave college? I did. Early? Okay. I did. Um, it was back in the 80s. Okay. I'm, I'm not a young man. <laughs> uh, and back then, there was just so many uh, changes going on with how uh, a kid like me uh, could get financial assistance uh, to get through school. Yeah. And so during that whole process, it was yeah. very boring, but you know, my financial aid package changed dramatically over sure. one summer. Yeah. And so I, was, I had a lot of student loans, so I can, right. I understand. Well, my back then did, I did, like, I work studied all that, you know, art school back then was like 21,000 a year, which probably sounds like a bargain, but back in 84, 85, that was just, I oh, mean, yeah. that was all the money in the world. And oh, I go, yeah. 
do I really want to take out that much money in loans in order to go through school? Or should I go out there and take a beat and see what else is out there in the world? Yeah. That's kind of what I did. Wow. And And so did you start an art career at that point? No, what I did is uh, I bought a ticket to Europe and (laughs) a backpack and a tent and hitchhiked for a while. Wow. And when I was doing that, I came back to the States because I had never been west of Chicago. And I said, why am I walking all around Europe when I've never even seen my own country? (laughs) And uh, I came back to Michigan and then took the train from Chicago out here to San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. And so when did you move into doing tech and programming and and things like that? It happened. it, It came to me. I didn't go to it. Yeah. I had some really great instructors when I was in high school and when I was in college that taught me the basics of computer programming. Like we learned basic when we were in high school. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had an Apple IIe on my desktop in that school nice. in 1983. Wow. Um, in 19- That's really early to have. have yeah. That. I learned how to program basic on that Apple IIe in high school. Uh, I was taking like advanced math classes and we would have to do proofs mm-hmm. and we have to program them in basic and put them onto a floppy disk. And yeah. we're just doing all this stuff. Like when you're that age, you can do anything. <laughs> and uh, my teacher in high school said, when you go off to college, bring this to the computer lab, uh, they'll give you a job. And I brought my disk to the computer lab. I had a work study yeah. thing for part of my financial aid package. And I got a job just like that at the Michigan State University Computer Lab. Yeah. And that was the year that the Lisa came out. And I was the only person that really had any interest in playing with it. Mm. Uh, It had a mouse. You know, you could draw little shapes, typeset. Then the Mac came out, and I was the only person that was really interested in doing that. So I found myself giving all these demonstrations on like what you could do with a Mac sure. when the Mac first came out. Yeah. And I mean, that one little thing just created this amazing pathway for me to grow into over the course of a graphic arts career. So fast forward to coming out to uh, the West coast. Yeah. I came to San Francisco first. That was in 87 and it kind of freaked me out because I'm from a small town right? and San Francisco was not a small town. And funny enough, it seemed really expensive and I didn't know how I was going to be able to make it here. Right. Um, so I hitchhiked up North up to Seattle okay. and ended up going to this little town called Bellingham. Mm. And I got a job working for a newspaper as an editorial artist because I could draw, right. I could use a Mac. <laughs> and back then, you know, what they used a Mac for was like doing little graphs and charts and typesetting and putting it back into like the main production area. Yeah. So I did that and that little career or that little experience experience of yeah. working at a newspaper when the whole industry was kind of in this flux from traditional yeah. uh, composing of right. printed pages to more electronic composing Mm -hmm. i was right there at the beginning of it wow and i just start of desktop publishing i was there from the very beginning yeah and just kind of rode that wave 
into more and more complex technology, more and more complex types of production into four color, uh, into high end color reproduction, into retouching, into uh, building storage systems for all these files we we were creating, uh, to creating software layers that would make all of this stuff work together to um, building products that were then, you know, shrink wrappable to go out there and sell to people. I just walked it. (laughs) I just, every little opportunity that came up, I mean, it was the wild, wild West. Nobody, there was no books on this stuff. Right. We were just kind of making it work. And when we made it work, people were paying attention. And, uh, you know, that weird little pathway uh, led me all the way to Apple. And that was wow crazy to me. <laughs> so you eventually worked for Apple? Yeah, that was my last job job. Okay. Yeah. So that the, all that trajectory you just described, that was over 10 years? Uh, uh, yeah. Eight years? From, say, my first real desktop publishing job was in the, like, 87, 88. Yeah. Um, I came back to San Francisco in 96 okay. and a uh, software job in 97, uh-huh. uh, Apple at 99. Okay. And then uh, I started my own little company in 2001. Okay. Yeah. So a few years at, at Apple. Yeah. Building products. Uh, marketing. Oh, marketing. Yeah. I was what they called the senior marketing consultant for design and print. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then what was your own company after that we took uh like the apple hardware platform when they were building servers and raids and married it with a piece of software that uh i had a huge role in helping to develop over in berkeley yeah uh and just threw that package into pretty much every print shop and ad agency and publisher around the country (laughs) yeah and how did that uh, business come to a conclusion? I left. Okay. Yeah, I left. Uh, it had gotten to a point where, you know, I had taken every opportunity that it was given to me. Right. Kind of just like took it where it was going to go. Sure. Um, really learned how to work hard. Yeah. Uh, and I just came to this point at that last company where I was just like working so hard for doing all these things. And at this point it was all software, mm-hmm. you know, no one understood the, uh, the craft right. or, you know, the processes that you were automating. It was just basically pushing a button and something right. would pop out on the other side ready. Right. And it just seemed like there was soulless at that point. Yeah. And I felt a real big disconnect between my effort and the, uh, reward. Right. Making that happen. Yeah. So, I guess it's simple, simply, I just said, if I'm working this hard doing something that I no longer enjoy, what would happen if I just turn that focus back into something that I've always wanted to do. Right. And that's when we started three fish and that wow. was in 2006. Amazing. And so what were you drawing? Were you printing anything? No, always. Oh, always. Yeah. Always on the side as you were having this, this, it was always career. going on and, in my house, in my garage, there was just always a little practice of painting right. primarily uh, going on in my, in my own personal studio. That's great. And yeah, that never stopped. Yeah. That never stopped. 
I want to get to how you two met and how the studio started as well. But Annie, I also want to hear about your background. You're from Ireland, yeah, which I think is very cool. I've never been there, um, but I want to go. And I also know you worked in in finance for for years. Yeah. And so, so walk me through a little bit of you know before Three Fish Studios, what you were doing, and and if art was always something that that you were keeping up with, or it was something you kind of you know discovered later. I uh, have drawn for as long as I remember, yeah. and I've always loved art and loved painting and drawing and. So in high school, I was always the the one making the posters for the charity walks and stuff uh-huh. like that. And so I ended up going to art school in Ireland. And after that, I did a, um, my qualification was in graphic design, mm. but it was kind of, that was also the mid eighties, um, mid to late eighties. So it was kind of, it was before a lot of the computer stuff came out. So it was mm. physical cutting and pasting. Right. Um, then I worked for a couple of years in an ad agency in Dublin until I got a green card in a lottery. Um, they, there was a lottery system in the late eighties, um, for a lot of European countries, but mainly Ireland, I think. Um, and I was lucky enough to, um, get what was called the Donnelly visa. Mm. And I decided to, you know, I was 23 and I decided, well, let's go to America for a year, see what it's like. Yeah. And um, then I never went home. <laughs> Pretty much. I told my mother I was coming for a couple of years to check it out. And I just kind of, I moved directly to San Francisco in 1989. Wow. Two weeks before the earthquake. Um, and then apart from three or four years living in Berkeley in the mid 90s, mm-hmm. I've been in San Francisco the whole time. Wow. Um, because it's an amazing place. I, I love it here. Yeah. Even, uh, even two weeks in yeah. having that earthquake, you said, no, this is, yep. this is where I'm staying. This is it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so during that time in the nineties, when I was, I, I didn't get back into working in an ad, ad agency over here. Um, I tried, uh, but it was kind of, you know, late eighties, it was little, recession going on. So I ended up working waiting tables and doing various other stuff. Um, and then I started to go back to school. I started to take classes at college in Marin. Okay. Um, really discovered a love of writing and literature and ended up transferring to Berkeley. So I ended up in the, in like 97. Okay. Graduating from Berkeley with a degree in English literature. Great. Um, and then, and, and then after that, I worked as a copy editor and ended up working for Wells Fargo as a content strategist. So oh, okay. writing content for the website. Yeah. So it was about financial products, but I wasn't really in finance. It was still oh, okay. writing. Yeah. Um, and I was also, I in Berkeley, I wrote a lot of poetry, mm. but then I always say that writing for Wells Fargo kind of knocked the poetry out of me. Um, and so I started painting again. I've always kind of had the balance between writing and uh, visual art. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think it was, I don't know, like 15 years ago, I just picked up a paintbrush again. Yeah. I've always doodled. Yeah. Um, but painting again became something I did. And uh, 
And then a, a lot of my work, even to this day, contains words yeah. and images. So I, I've always, I, I've continued to kind of marry the two loves yeah. together. That's great. Um, you have some of the poetry back now that it's been a few years. Yeah, uh, I think I do a little since, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, during that time, we started Three Fish Studios. I did it part-time okay. along with my full-time job for several years. Yeah. Um, but then when we moved to the Outer Sunset and we had this new space that now um, people could stumble on us and we were suddenly a lot busier and there was visitors coming in every day, Eric started to work on me to quit my job. <laughs> and I have a harder time giving up security than Eric does. He's quite fearless with yeah, that. So yeah. he pushes me to be more fearless and I push him to be more practical and it all works <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to you, Annie, you guys are back here in San Francisco and not on some uh, field or hillside exactly. in Paris. Exactly. Oh, that is Boy. more true than you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Go so ahead. then I, I did quit my job in 2013. And uh, so that's been five years now that we've been doing this full time. Wow. Yeah. And so rewind to how you two met. Was it in Berkeley? It, it was. It okay. was, yeah. All right. And so you're in school or you're living there? Well, or? I was just, um, we met in 98. Okay. And so I had graduated the previous year, but I was still living in Berkeley. Um, and Eric was working in Berkeley. We met through a mutual friend who um, I had been in school with over there. Mm. And yeah, one of the first nights we met, he asked me out on a date and that was that. <laughs> and then you started going steady. How quickly did you, did you guys, are you, are you married? Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How, how quickly did you like, uh, get well, engaged this, and married? This summer, while we were in France, we celebrated the 20 year anniversary of our first date. Oh, wow. Um, but we've been married 17 years. So yep. the, the 20 year wedding anniversary is still a few years away. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that is so great. So, I mean, over this long relationship, early days, did you ever imagine or talk about having a business together or being creative together in those kinds of ways? Or did this kind of emerge and, and surprise you that not only could you have a loving and love relationship, yeah. but also have a, have an art and business one too. Well, we, we always knew that we admired in each other that the other one could draw and paint. And mm -hmm. that was one of the things that drew us to each other. And we had a love of art and would go visit shows and galleries and museums when we traveled. But I don't know if I ever thought we would have an art business together. What about you? I didn't really know how that could be possible back in those days. But, yeah. You know, like, I, like in terms of uh, making it work financially or just exactly. figuring it out. I mean, just yeah. how do you, how do you have an art business in San Francisco? Right. Um, wasn't really something that was top of mind for me. It was yeah. like, how do I, how do I make enough money to pay my rent in San Francisco? Right. Um, and art, you know, the, I had a huge studio, not a huge studio, but one of my rooms in my apartment was just my studio that's and great. I, I painted. Yeah. Uh, and when Annie and I first started going out, that's how she got to know me as a painter that also had this job over in Berkeley. Right. And when I first met Annie, uh, she was riding her motorcycle and <laughs> writing poetry and just finishing up school at Berkeley. But we really connected on this 
love of the creative life right. that we right. both maintain despite right. our obligations to just hit our monthly nut. Right, right. And yeah, we talked about what we would do with our art and, you know, where it was going as yeah. part of our just lifestyle. But right. I don't think back then we ever had the slightest idea that something like three fish studios would come out of this. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about our sponsor. Soothe. Soothe is an amazing on demand massage service. So if you're at home on the go at a hotel or even at work, you can use their app to call for a masseuse and they'll come within 24 hours or you can schedule it in advance if you use the offer code making ways at checkout you'll get $20 off your first booking with soothe i have used soothe and massage and self-care is so important to the creative process as creative people we have to take care of ourselves otherwise we'll burn out we won't have the energy to approach and tackle these creative challenges and jobs and projects and programs that we're working on day in and day out. So Soothe really makes massage and self-care more accessible. That's why I'm so excited about them. My experience getting a massage with Soothe was awesome. It was amazing. It was kind of everything you'd expect from going to a masseuse at their own place or spa, but in your home. They bring everything you need to have a wonderful experience and feel amazing. So check out Soothe. Go to Soothe.com, download the app, use the offer code Making Ways at checkout, and you'll get $20 off your first booking. All right, let's get back to the show. And so now that it's been years and you've been doing this together, what what does the balance look like of you know, who handles what on the business side and the marketing and the, and, and, you know, uh, Annie, you do paintings and drawings and Eric, you focus, uh, I think more on the, the carvings and printings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what's separate, what's together, where do you collaborate? Mm -hmm. How do you divide and conquer? Well, as well as being artists to make an art business really succeed, you have to be a very good business person and know how to run that side of it. And I probably let Eric do way more than the lion's share of all of that side of it. I think you do pretty much all of it. And yeah. And is that just due to his background and running his own business? And that's it. I mean, when we started up three fish, it wasn't with out a pretty thought out plan. Did you have a, 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 concrete business plan? I did. Of course that changed dramatically in the first two years, but I think it's important to have that discipline of being able to sit down and try to understand how you're going to pay for all of this and, you know, developing where you're going to be getting your revenue from, who you're going to be working with, what kind of projects are going to make you stand out. All of these things were like, I put as much attention into developing some model for three fish as I did with the previous company right. and from day one, when we opened it, it was a business. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, we had to treat it like that. We had yeah. to take it seriously. Uh, Cause I left a good job right. to do this. Uh, that made a huge impact in our whole financial sure. picture. So, so you put it, as much planning into an art business, a, a business around selling 
prints and and drawings and paintings as you did a uh, a digital product. Yeah, you know? probably more, probably more because you had to really think about it. I mean, digital products kind of can sell themselves if they hit the right nut. Sure. Um, an art business is very different because it's so subjective. What yeah. People. How do you, how do you find an audience? <laughs> right, right. Uh, how do you do that in a city like San Francisco? Yeah. Um, how do you create uh, a community? How do you, uh, who do you work with? Right. Who do you say yes to? Who do you say no to? Yeah. Uh, how do you get your work in front of people? There's just so many of those considerations. Right. And, uh, having like the discipline of running a business before and also having uh, a marketing background. Yeah. It really helped. It really helped put together a framework for us to kind of plug our efforts into and just slowly, slowly, slowly build right. the business. And yeah, it was a slow build. Did you do all of that before you left your your company? Or did you decide to leave and, and decide to do this and then make the plan? Well, I would get up in a, I'd wake up in the middle of the night when I was at my old company and yeah. I'd just be completely stressed out. And I just would say to Annie, I got to do something. I got to do something different. I can't do this anymore. And she would go, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to do something. And I'm, I'm really glad that I had the support from Annie and my friends and my family to just really give my artistic pursuits a real go. Yeah. And I just said, all right, I'm 40 years old now. It's time to do it. And that's when... I really hunkered down and just thought of a way to make it work. Wow. Yeah. And it kind of, the start of Three Fish Studios kind of coincided with the the rise of the whole maker movement True. and mm-hmm. early days of blogging and all of that. And we ended up um, meeting a lot of our current friends through that whole world mm. of um, blogging and, and the maker community. And we did all the shows, all the renegade craft fairs right. and Bizarre Bizarre and various little art and craft shows. Um, for years, we pretty much said yes to everything because we had to kind of get our work out there. Right. It took us a few years, too, because, um, well, it took us a few years to uh, get the idea that we should start making digital reproductions of my work in particular mm-hmm. because Eric carves a plate out of linoleum and then... Right. He has an addition of 50 or 100 that he can produce from that. But I was doing paintings on canvas and selling them one at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we decided, well, let's just invest and get a really high-quality digital printer um, where it's archival and it's not going to fade and all of that. And uh, so we made the the kind of uh, investment and um, that – kind of helped a lot because now it was more passive income in a way. You know, I do the painting once and then we make tons of prints and we get wholesale orders and can sell it all over the place. And that kind of helped us to kind of take it to the next level. Yeah. And how many years ago was, was that? That was like eight years ago, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we bought our first. First, uh, uh, our first like real high end that uh, digital, digital printer. printer. We started doing it all in house. Yeah. What else is kind of key to getting this going? Because you know a lot of people try or they want to do this, and maybe are too fearful. They they want that stability. 
now that you've been doing it for for quite a while is there any is there anything else that pops out that feels well, sure like, we yeah. the, a huge part of all of this which hasn't even been brought up is the the connection that you have to your community that and I know that's said a lot these days but it is so important to cultivate relationships with other people that share your views of what you want to do and invite them into your lives, invite them into your practice and find out all you can from people that are on the same type of path that you might be on. And from an early part of our, of starting up three fish, it was building up that community of people that we can just rely on to exchange ideas, to bounce ideas off of, to uh, validate our, our feelings of uh, happiness or frustration. Uh, it's just so weird when you first start uh, your practice of making art, because part of me always felt that it wasn't really possible mm-hmm. to make a living doing this. Yeah. And there's, there's always that kind of little doubt in the back of your mind. And I think that that's very common across any creative that is really trying to make a living off of this. And it's really important to get involved with the artists and the communities that support them. And for my path took me to two places to do that here in San Francisco. One was of all places, city college where I ended up taking some classes just to kind of get reacquainted with uh, the processes and updated with materials and just see Mm -hmm. who else was playing around. But what an amazing group Mm -hmm. of people that I met uh, that were interested in the things that I was doing. Yeah. Uh, Adults uh, and young people uh, just all passionate about doing something. Uh, So the Fort Mason campus over at city college was just an amazing Mm -hmm. place. The first year I started doing this just to start, building up relationships. Yeah. And then the other place was uh, this organization called Artspan, mm-hmm. which is been around San Francisco for 40 years with the sole uh, mission to help artists find a niche in the San Francisco art world uh, by promoting open studios. And I got involved with Artspan. Well, we both got involved with Artspan doing open studios before I ever quit my job job to do this. Oh, wow. Like 12 yeah. years ago or something? Yeah. So Artspan and Open Studios is really our first real window of understanding that people were interested in the work that we were doing. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I had the bandwidth and I wasn't working 60 hours at a job job, yeah. uh, I started volunteering with Artspan mm. and still serve with them to this day. That's great. And, you know, that's connected me with hundreds of other artists in this town. Yeah. Uh, to both be inspired by and, and also help with some of these questions that we all face yeah. uh, as we grow our art practice. So I think those two things have really helped us build a very strong community. And the other thing that helped build community is moving into the outer sunset. Mm. I mean, you put a print shop in the middle of nowhere, uh, <laughs> everyone within... 20 blocks is going to come and just kind of sniff out what the hell's going on in here. Right. And that wasn't something that we planned. It's just something that kind of happened. And that was awesome. I mean, when we started getting that, 
connection with that neighborhood, uh, which is, you know, we live in the outer Richmond. We literally can walk to the studio. Right. So, you know, we've been out in that area for 20 years. Mm. And when we opened our studio out on that part of town and we started seeing how our efforts are now becoming part of the community that's out there, which yeah. is also our home. Right. That was a huge moment for us, a huge positive unexpected development in our art practice because now we were part of the community. Now when people meet us for the first time, they don't know us as uh, the copywriter at Wells Fargo Mm -hmm. or the software marketing dude at Apple. They know us as the painter, the poet and the printmaker. And when you get to that part of your artistic art, it just feels so damn good. Yeah. I love that. Because you feel like you're you're living the the self that you had. Yeah, that's yeah. what we always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it feels great. Yeah. But it's all community based. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we have our doors open, anyone can walk in and they can see what we're doing. Right. That's all inspired by open studios. And yeah. we just kind of took that whole framework and made it into our business model. Yeah. It works. So how about you know, being married and running a business. I asked, uh, I asked the, the folks behind Outerlands, um, yeah. who are so wonderful about, about their experiences and, um, how, where do you draw the lines? Do you not draw lines? It's just, it's just one big giant life and it's got all these things floating around <laughs> in it. I'll or, lead. I'll take this one. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, it, well, just setting it up again, we started this in 2006. Uh, I pretty much worked alone uh, during the day for the first six, seven years. So I had my own art practice going on. I'd spend a lot of time in the studio. I'd be carving. I'd be running all the business. Annie would be working over at her job at the bank. Uh, I had some assistance from time to time, but basically I did everything. And when we moved to the Outer Sunset, as Annie said, it's like suddenly the doors were open. Right. You know, when our studio in Dog Patch was up on the third floor mm. of the American Industrial Center, no one knew we were there <laughs> unless they knew we were there. Right. But when you're on the street level, people just are naturally curious and they come in. So, sure. I mean, it was just boom. Who are all these people? And everybody wanted a little something. And then it was just like constantly busy. Yeah. And, I would call up Annie and go, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just, you know, working on this. I need you to come over to the shop now. <laughs> uh, and just over like months of badgering her, we finally got uh, enough confidence to think that she could quit her job job and join me. Uh, and when that happened, of course, it was. Uh, the rock tumbler. Yeah. There's a great analogy. <laughs> it's not mine. It's actually Steve Jobs used it with his team that he was using to develop the Mac. He took all of the brightest people that he knew, put them in a room together and told them, this is what you need to do. And he called it the rock tumbler. Okay. So it's all these little rocks kind of tumbling around in the small space. Uh But after a while, they kind of knock off all of the rough edges and they (laughs) emerge these smooth, beautiful things. And I, I love that kind of think that's how I prefer to describe the first years of yeah. Annie and I working together. Cause there's a lot of butting heads. It's like, she would yeah. want to do it one way. And I would say, well, no, I tried that before. It doesn't really work. We need to do it this way. Right. And there was just like a lot of that 
yeah, back and forth. And yeah, we're, we're both stubborn and <laughs> think we know the best way to do things. But yeah. Do you think it helped <laughs> that you had uh, whatever it was like a decade prior just of your relationship without a business as a foundation or it doesn't <laughs> matter? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we knew that 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 relationship wasn't going anywhere. We had to just figure out the business relationship and how was that going to work? Yeah. And so it did take us a little while. Um, but now I think we, we have it down. Well, so, you know, like I said, Eric does a lot of the business management tasks and sometimes I will say to him, well, I'll take on some of those. Let me do some of those. But, um, he likes to be in control of doing it. And he also says I have horrible follow through. (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's get it all out there i know right (laughs) the tax man needs to be paid yeah exactly you You don't want you want to there's just all of these things that you just got to do right they just got to be done yeah pain in the ass right right? it just has to be done and i can convince you about it right right. all the time And then it's like, okay, I'll do that. Well, then I have to explain how to do it. And then I have to like follow up to make sure it gets done. And it's just as easy for me to oh, do it. So I'm terrible. Yeah. This was, this was a great exercise in leaving for two months too, because it was really hard for me to give up Sure, that control. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like giving up control, but just trusting yeah, things, things are get done. Run. Yeah. And Annie alluded to it earlier, but man, we've got two of the best employees you could ever hope for. I mean, wow. that shop ran so smoothly wow. while we were away. And yeah. I mean, just no, no incidents at all. And I mean, that was a revelation. Yeah. That's that fantastic. We can step mm-hmm. away right. and, you know, can do these types of things and not have to be involved so much in the day to day. Right. And let people that want to step up, step up. Sure. To, to give us the, the, the bandwidth to do that. So yeah. that was a real gift. That's mm-hmm. great, and maybe that's a good uh, a good moment to ask what what the typical day might be, um, or or over you know over a week or month or you know a little while. What 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 typically is mixed in there? How much of it is art making, working the shop, mm-hmm. running the business? Oh, okay, so on a normal day, we, our hours are ten to six. Mm-hmm. We we say ten ish to six. Ten ish uh, to six ish, yes. <laughs> Depending on what happened yeah. the night before, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so we'll have our doors open, and if it's a Saturday or Sunday, it tends to be quite busy. So then the the whole business day is kind of skewing towards a retail yeah environment. Yep. If it's a Monday or Tuesday, and it can be very quiet out there, that just means we have time to work on our our own work, or you know printing and restocking stuff in the shop. Um, And I have a studio upstairs from the shop uh, where I paint. And I love to tuck myself up there and just the world disappears and I will just be working on my stuff. Yeah. And you get Um, in the flow when you're drawing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I hadn't been there. I love being there in the evenings when I'm by myself. Mm. Um, and I hadn't been there in the evenings for a while. So last night I just, you know, kept myself half my lunch that I could eat for dinner <laughs> and planned to kind of stay late. And I really could have stayed there till 11 or so. Wow. Eric sends me a text about nine. He says, so are you coming home soon? <laughs> but it's, it's so nice. We love being there and, yeah. and uh, 
but we do try to maintain um, a schedule where we will get out of there at six and go and, and make dinner. And then we do end up talking about the business a lot, but we try not to do that too much. Like mm-hmm. it can't be something that that's all we talk about. Right. Um, how else would you define a normal day? Well, it's a job. I mean, I think you have to look at it as a job. I do always have. I get there around nine. I leave around six or seven. I have a list of projects that I want to get done. I always have like projects that are percolating in the background, but I always have a bunch of things that need to get kind of nailed out during the day. Art and business related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of put them all on the same to-do list because yeah. uh, my art in particular is very process driven mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I love about it. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll just say, all right, so this is like, I'm working on a new woodcut right now. So I won't go into the studio because uh, that will be a distraction for me. Weirdly. Uh, I'll, I have a studio at my house. So I'll just tuck up in there yeah. and because uh, I can just work in quiet without interruption and uh, get my block going yeah. and get it to a point where uh, I feel I can bring the block in because the moment that I bring it in, it's like I'm on display mm-hmm. and then we can start interacting with people about you know what's going on. And people right. are naturally curious sure. about this process yeah. I and mean, people just don't get it. Well, Until think, they see it. Right. And and speaking of that, because I have watched videos and, and I love the process. I also went to art school, so I've worked with, with printmakers. But for listeners out there, maybe just quickly, and if you can describe <laughs> the process. And I'm also curious, the, the prints are so beautiful. I oh, really love them. And I'm wondering if you're doing a drawing and then the drawing's transferred and then you're carving or you like carve directly like a sculptor <laughs> into the block and, and, and how that works. Well, I do relief wood, uh, relief printmaking. So right. you can, it's, it's carving away the surface of a flat surface, either a block of wood mm-hmm. or a block of linoleum right. uh, and creating a plate, which becomes a surface that you ink up and put paper on and run it through a press to create an impression. Right. And it is a very tactile process driven type of art creation that's old as civilization, I guess. Right, and right. I think for me, I was drawn to it for a couple reasons. One, I was kind of in the print business and, you know, all of the automation and the products that we were developing were really emulating traditional handwork mm-hmm. processes which I understood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that there was nothing further away from pushing pixels on paper than actually carving a wood block. <laughs> so I, I was drawn to just like the analog nature of this type of mark making. Uh, I love working with my hands. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I like how printmaking kind of allows you to uh, use your hands, but also kind of leverage multiple disciplines from, as you were alluding to, drawing, Mm -hmm. um, photography, composition, inking, color choice, all of these things. There's just so many different little uh, buttons it presses for me for being an artist. It's more than just paint. It's it's like all these things. Mm -hmm. So my process is almost all driven from uh, photographs that I take. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
I spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, a lot of my work reflects that. Uh, just things that interest me. Yeah. Uh, you know, things that interest me. Right, uh, right. It could be a taco truck. It could be a chair. It could be a bridge. It could be a stand of trees. Mm. It could be a mountain. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, I take photos. And then from those photos, I do drawings. And from those drawings, I transfer them to the block. Mm. And on the block, I just carve it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. You, tran- you transfer using this kind of carbon paper type stuff. Yeah, you have to think in reverse. Yeah. you got to carve everything in reverse. And uh, I like that step because at that point, you kind of lose your association mm. with the image. It becomes a process. Very, it, exactly. Yeah. You're looking at like the, in printmaking, in this type of printmaking in particular, you're looking at the spaces between the objects rather than the objects themselves. And I just love where that takes my mind. I yeah. like that whole dialogue yeah. that I have when I'm doing that. Amazing. And yeah, and people can come in and, and see, see that process. Yeah. We yeah. like it when people come in and we're printing the, uh, we're printing an edition and, right. you know, no mystery to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll ink up the plate and if they're going, well, how does that work? We'll let them pull the print. <laughs> you know, it's, they're not, they're not going to break awesome. the press and, yeah. and then they just go, wow. Yeah. Go, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I, I love like those that. moments. Yeah. yeah. And back to the, the, the business of, of art making, do you feel that because you had these careers prior and, you know, probably had uh, bank accounts and things like 401ks and, and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, artists don't always have access to, do you feel that was helpful in you, you know, launching this business both financially and also, um, from like a, a security uh, standpoint and, and, you know, do you wish you had done it sooner or do you tell people that they could follow your track and like save up and then, and then launch with a little cushion or that they should just go into it, you know, fully of where mm-hmm. business building, obviously everyone can only do what, what they've done. Right. Um, but just thinking about that, how do you consider yeah. those things? I think when we started in 2006, we didn't necessarily, have a a cushion at that point. We just, um, you know, like I said, Eric is, he's just going to jump right into it. (laughs) And we still had me working with a salary and health insurance and all of that. Um, So we kind of were very, very lean Mm -hmm. with the business side and making money and all that didn't really happen for several years. Mm -hmm. So we kind of, you know, kept it lean and, and then money started coming in. And then years later, when it came t- for me to quit my job, I like I just needed a little more assurance that this was going to be okay financially. So we got uh, very good advice from a friend who said, just um, take your salary and put it aside. Pretend you're not getting it for three or four months and just see how it feels with all your your monthly obligations and all of that. And it was okay. We were, we felt like we could do it. So at that point I gave my notice and, um, and then we had the advantage of having a few months of my salary saved up. So that kind of helped too. Yeah. Um, And I would, I would say, you know, that, that represents two, two different approaches. Either you, you quit what you're doing and you jump right into it and you just make it work and um, you're, you're no, 
you're very lean for a few years or you're a little more measured about your approach. And so because there's two of us, we had both kinds of approaches and I don't think one is better than the other. I am a big fan of the side hustle. And, you know, if, if you do it that way for a few years or forever, maybe, maybe it always stays a side hustle and that's fine too, Mm -hmm. because I did find that, um, even doing the, the art business part-time while I was still working full-time, that, that balance, just having something that I was doing in the evenings and on the weekends that I loved doing, it made, not that my job in the bank was terrible. It was, it was fine. And I worked with lovely people, but um, it just kind of gave me more joy in my day-to-day full-time job because I felt like, well, I have balance and I'm doing this creative thing also. Right. Um, And maybe if we hadn't moved to the outer sunset and suddenly had the need for me to be there full time, well, I would have, I would hope I would still have quit my job at some point and be doing it full time at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to tell. And just going back to those first few years in my experience, um, I didn't leave with any type of, okay golden parachute or anything like that, I, I left. And it wasn't a very popular decision uh, with the people I was working with at the time, but I felt I had to do it yeah, just for my own mental health. Sure. Um, so what I did for the first year or two was I got the studio up and running, but in order to make payments on the bills, I had to do consulting Okay. You know, just had to engage with it as much as I didn't want to. Yeah. It was still something that I had to do. Yeah. And uh, just to kind of make ends meet. So yeah. It wasn't like we started Three Fish with uh, mm-hmm. a big cushion. It, yeah. We really we took a home like, equity loan out as well. Yeah, yeah. We were pretty exposed. Yeah. But I knew it was going to work. Yeah. I just did. I, I had confidence that. Uh, between the two of us and our, our work ethic yeah. and uh, our determination and the people that we knew and just the community that we had, that it would work out. Yeah. And I'm very grateful that it did. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I think it's, and it's really helpful for listeners to hear the realities of it mm-hmm. because people will fill in the best uh, vision of what they think it was like for you in the in the blanks that we leave out right i like Um, to say we were a 10-year overnight success (laughs) right 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 but that that's that's what happens yeah that's what happens right they say that around about musicians about artists Mm -hmm. that oh you know just because you heard of someone today or yesterday and they got some big spread or coverage that doesn't mean that they haven't been working without that spotlight for a decade yeah exactly Yeah. yeah So what's what's next? And uh, I want I encourage listeners to go look at your your work. It is it's so iconic and it's so vibrant and beautiful and colorful and it's yeah it's very California. There's a lot of California love mm-hmm. in there. Um, you know the bear holding the state. How you yeah. guys brought that back and popularized that. And um, yeah, so much of of your work, Annie, and the the women that you that you paint and. And all oh, thank that. You. Yeah, and the robots. I love robots. I see that. <laughs> yeah, in the other room, I have Rob the robot. I don't know if you saw that. The, I the classic, took a yeah. glimpse. You're going to have okay. to take a closer look. Yeah, and I used <laughs> to work at, at Google on the Android team. So I've got the, oh. I've got oh, the little the cool. Androids there, too. So anyway, 
I do love robots. <laughs> um, I digress. Where, where, <laughs> where do you guys uh, see things going, both artistically and, and business-wise? It sounds like maybe uh, these holidays will not be uh, once in a lifetime. Maybe they'll become more regular. Uh, yeah. but that's but what, what, that's what I hope. I, I, I mean, I think we would like to travel more and maybe, I don't know, have a, a little second studio that we can go to sometimes and work out of, we've got some, um, f- shows coming up next year. We have a, a big gallery show at one eleven minute in the summer. Oh, great. And that's going to be really fun and yeah, exciting wow. to work towards. Us. Yeah. That's great. That's kind of the major thing in the next yeah. year. You've got a line of products coming out with Chronicle books in the spring. Oh, great. So that will yeah. be a whole new set of eyes. Cool. Um, and we did, um, a collaboration with the North face this year. Okay. Uh, they put out a capsule collection of, uh, products with our imagery on, on them. And that was fun and exciting. Wow. Yeah. That is really exciting. Annie, Eric, it's uh, been such a pleasure to meet you and, and talk to you. And I'm such fans of you and, and your work. And I'm wishing you tons of continued success. I, uh, I love what you guys are all about. And this has been such a treat. Thank you. This was really yeah. fun. Thanks so much, Rob. That was my conversation with Annie and Eric of Three Fish Studios. Thank you both so much for joining the show, for being so open in sharing your story, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the highs, the lows, everything in between. And I encourage everyone to check out threefishstudios.com. It's the numeral three in the URL. And if you're in San Francisco, you have to come to their studio slash shop. You can actually see work getting made and you can buy it. It's amazing work, and I've been a fan of Three Fish Studios for years, so it's really been a thrill for me to get to know Annie and Eric, to help tell their story, to help share the story of a small business here in San Francisco, and I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Making Ways newsletter at makingways.co. Write a review on iTunes about why you like the series or a specific episode. It really helps us climb up the ranks on that Apple podcast chart. Thanks so much to all the fans and friends listening out there. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Tell someone you know about Making Ways and help spread the word on this independent podcast. It would mean the world to me and the crew here working on these episodes. And by crew, I mean me. I'm the host and producer and uh, our audio is engineered by Jim Metzendorf, who does a really fantastic job every episode of making these interviews and episodes sound as great audio quality-wise as they can. Making Way's intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk soon. Yeah.